Welcome to the Joe Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Don Gonzalez. Joe Catholic is a lay apostolate formed in the fall of 2004 and then revamped to its current structure in the spring of 2009. According to the Second Vatican Council, the function of the apostolate is to influence the temporal order and cultural milieu into conformity with Christian ideals. It's in that light that our mission is to help equip everyday, ordinary people with the tools to evangelize and answer the universal call to holiness. We hope that this podcast helps do that and encourages you to pursue a deeper understanding of our rich Catholic faith. Welcome back to our special Sunday edition of the Joe Catholic Podcast, when we share biblical commentary from the Navari Bible. Catholic Exegesis The Second Vatican Council teaches that if we are to derive the true meaning from the sacred text, attention must be devoted not only to their content, but to the unity of the whole of Scripture, the living tradition of the entire Church, and the analogy of faith. Everything to do with the interpretation of Scripture is ultimately subject to the judgment of the Church, which exercises the divinely conferred communion and ministry of watching over and interpreting the Word of God. De Verbum 12. We believe that the exegetical approach taken by the authors of the Navari Bible precisely models this message. Sunday, December 30th, 2018. Feast of the Holy Family. Sunday within the octave of Christmas. Today's Gospel is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. The commentary is taken from St. Luke's Gospel, the Navari Bible, published by Scepter Publishers in 2005, pages 50 through 53. Commentary The Finding in the Temple Chapter 2, verse 41 Only St. Luke, in chapter 2, verses 41 through 50, reports the event of the child Jesus being lost and then found in the temple, which we contemplate in the fifth joyful mystery of the rosary. Only males aged 12 and upwards were required to make this journey. Nazareth is about 100 kilometers or 60 miles from Jerusalem as the crow flies, but the hilly nature of the country would have made it a trip of 140 kilometers. Chapter 2, verses 43 through 44. On pilgrimages to Jerusalem, the Jews used to go in two groups, one of men, the other women. Children could go with either group. This explains how they could go a day's journey before they discovered the child was missing when the families regrouped to camp. Mary is crying. In vain you and I have run from group to group, from caravan to caravan. No one has seen him. Joseph, after fruitless attempts to keep from crying, cries too. And you and I. Being a common little fellow, I cry my eyes out, and I wail to heaven and earth to make up for the times when I lost him through my own fault and did not cry. St. Jose Maria Escriva, Holy Rosary, Fifth Joyful Mystery. Chapter 2, verse 45. The concern which Mary and Joseph show in looking for the child should encourage us always to seek out Jesus, particularly if we lose him through sin. Jesus, may I never lose you again. 
Now you and I are united in misfortune and grief, as we were united in sin. And from the depths of our being come sighs of heartful sorrow and burning phrases which the pen cannot and should not record. Holy Rosary, Fifth Joyful Mystery. Chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. The child Jesus must have been in the courtyard of the temple, which was where the teachers usually taught. Listeners used to sit at their feet, now and again asking questions and responding to them. This was what Jesus did, but his questions and answers attracted the teacher's attention. He was so wise and well-informed. Chapter 2, verse 48. Ever since the Annunciation, Our Lady had known that the child Jesus was God. This faith was the basis of her generous fidelity throughout her life. But there was no reason why it should include detailed knowledge of all the sacrifices God would ask of her, nor of how Christ would go about his mission of redemption. That was something she would discover as time went by, contemplating her son's life. Chapter 2, verse 49. Christ's reply is a form of explanation. His words, his first words, to be recorded in the gospel, clearly show his divine sonship. And they also show his determination to fulfill the will of his eternal father. He does not upbraid them, Mary and Joseph, for searching for their son. But he raises the eyes of their souls to appreciate what he owes him whose eternal son he is. St. Bede, in Luce Evangelium Expositio. Jesus teaches us that over and above any human authority, even that of our parents, there is the primary duty to do the will of God. And once we are consoled by the joy of finding Jesus, three days he was gone, debating with the teachers of Israel, and you and I shall be left deeply impressed by the duty to leave our home and family to serve our Heavenly Father. St. Jose Maria Escriva, Holy Rosary, Fifth Joyful Mystery. See the note on Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 37. Chapter 2, verse 50. We must remember that Jesus knew in detail the whole course his earthly life would take from his conception onwards. Cross-reference the note on Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is shown by what he says in reply to his parents. Mary and Joseph realized that his reply contained a deeper meaning which they did not grasp. They grew to understand it as the life of their child unfolded. Mary's and Joseph's faith and their reverence towards the child led them not to ask any further questions, but to reflect on Jesus' words and behavior in this instant, as they had done on other occasions. The Hidden Life of Jesus at Nazareth Chapter 2, verse 51 the Gospel sums up Jesus' life in Nazareth in just three words, erat subditus ilis. He was obedient to them. He obeys Joseph and Mary. God has come to the world to obey and to obey creatures. Admittedly, they are two very perfect creatures, Holy Mary, our Mother, greater than whom God alone, and that most chaste man, Joseph. But they are only creatures, and yet Jesus, who is God, obeyed them. 
We have to love God so as to love His will and desire to respond to His calls. They come to us through the duties of our ordinary life, duties of state, profession, work, family, social life, our own and other people's difficulties, friendship, eagerness to do what is right and just. St. Jose Maria Escriva, Christ is Passing By, number 17. Jesus lived like any other inhabitant of Nazareth, working at the same trade as St. Joseph and earning his living by the sweat of his brow. His hidden years are not without significance, nor were they simply a preparation for the years which were to come after, those of his public life. Since 1928, I have understood clearly that God wants our Lord's whole life to be an example for Christians. I saw this with special reference to his hidden life, the years he spent working side by side with ordinary men. Our Lord wants many people to ratify their vocation during years of quiet, unspectacular living. Obeying God's will always means leaving our selfishness behind, but there is no reason why it should entail cutting ourselves off from the normal life of ordinary people who share the same status, work, and social position with us. I dream, and the dream has come true, of multitudes of God's children sanctifying themselves as ordinary citizens, sharing the ambitions and endeavors of their colleagues and friends. I want to shout to them about the divine truth. If you are there in the middle of the ordinary life, it doesn't mean Christ has forgotten about you or hasn't called you. He has invited you to stay among the activities and concerns of the world. He wants you to know that your human vocation, your profession, your talents are not omitted from his divine plans. He has sanctified them and made them a most acceptable offering to his Father. Ibid, number 20, chapter 2, verse 52. As far as his human nature was concerned, Jesus matured like anyone else. His growth in wisdom should be seen as referring to experiential knowledge, knowledge acquired by his mind from the sense experience and general experience of life. It can also be taken as referring to the external expression of his wisdom. In this sense, everything he did was done perfectly, in keeping with whatever age he was at the time. As man, Jesus had three kinds of knowledge. One, knowledge of the blessed vision of the divine essence by virtue of the hypostatic union, the union of his human nature with his divine nature in one person of the word. This knowledge did not require any increase. Two, infused knowledge, which perfected his intellect and which meant that he knew everything, even hidden things. Thus, he was able to read men's hearts. Here again, his knowledge was complete. It could not grow. Three, acquired knowledge. He acquired new knowledge through sense experience and reflection. Logically, this knowledge increased as time went by. As far as grace in the strict sense of the word was concerned, Jesus could not grow. From the first instant of his conception, he possessed grace in all its fullness because he was true God by virtue of the hypostatic union. As St. Thomas explains, the end of grace is the union of the rational creature 
with God. But there can neither be nor be conceived a greater union of the rational creature with God than that which is the person of Christ. Hence, it is clear that the grace of Christ cannot be increased on the part of grace. But neither can it be increased on the part of Christ, since Christ as man was a true and full comprehensor from the first instant of his conception. Hence, there could have been no increase of grace in him. Summa Theologia, Part 3, Question 7, Article 12. However, we can speak of his growing in grace in the sense of the effects of grace. In the last analysis, this matter is one of the mysteries of our faith, which our minds cannot fully grasp. How small God would be if we were able to fully fathom this mystery. That Christ should conceal his infinite power and wisdom by becoming a child teaches our pride a great lesson. This concludes the commentary on this week's Gospel reading. We encourage our listeners to purchase the Navari Bible for personal study. You may purchase copies at your local Catholic bookstore or order directly from scepterpublishers.org. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again next week for the Navari Bible Commentary.